Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick Vinzant. Coming up in this episode, the real story and the best utensils. A lot of times there are fires set, ultimately. A lot of times there are windows smashed. That craziness does happen, uh, but it doesn't always happen as quickly as people think or in the ways that people think. Some like in Portland, I remember, where there would be seven hours straight of face-offs with police, tear gas in the streets. I was seeing the news reports on him, and it wasn't really telling me a whole lot of like, what did this look like on the inside? It was sort of just like a general report, but not really showing a whole lot of the event, not really showing like, what were the crowds like? What were the people like? What were people saying? And so I made it a commitment to myself to be able to better understand these things to keep going out there. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. So we've all seen the news. We've all seen these chaotic events unfold over the last year. Everything from protests and riots to storming the Capitol. But what has it really been like on the ground? Is what we have been seeing on TV and on the internet the real story? Our first guest has been there. This is independent journalist Brendan Gutenschwager. What has the last year of your life been like? It has been crazy, a bit tiring, uh, pretty much just going back and forth to different cities, covering different protests, rallies, breaking news events, all sorts of stuff. It's just been go, go, go. So if you added it all up, like how many riots, protests, rallies, events have you been at this in the last calendar year? In the last year, it's definitely been over 100, just so many throughout the summer, especially spring and summer. It was virtually every single day. For somebody like me, for the average person watching on TV, like a lot of this looks like craziness. You know, we're seeing fires, breaking windows, destroying businesses, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But what is it what is it really like on the ground? Is what I'm seeing on TV, on social media, is that what's really happening? Well, a lot of times the videos you're seeing are real. They can at times be taken out of context. So it is interesting as somebody that goes and reports from on the ground, seeing how it evolves. How does it get to that point? Because you're right. I mean, a lot of times there are fires set ultimately. A lot of times there are windows smashed. Ultimately, a lot of that craziness does happen, uh, but it doesn't always happen as quickly as people think or in the ways that people think. For example, even just recently, I was in Tacoma and there was some property damage there. There were people setting some fires in the streets, uh, businesses being smashed into. But what might, might not have been seen is that there actually were a lot of Tacoma locals also out that were against this and actually were kind of speaking out in the middle of the protest saying like, hey, I'm not with this. You know, I'm not about this. I don't know what this is. Uh, There are other, you know, smaller details that I think get lost in the mix a lot of time. And it's been really interesting to see those throughout all of this, not just with Tacoma, but, you know, in the last several months in the last year. For people who might be new to this podcast, I'm a former journalist who have covered a number of rallies and protests. And it always seemed like to me, if you had, it was always the, the, the five to 10%, right? If you had a 10 hour long rally and there was 10 minutes of people setting fires, that's all you would see on the news. And the entire rest of it was basically just people kind of milling around. Is that the same general experience that you've kind of seen or has, have things changed? It depends on the event. I've seen some that were like that, absolutely. Others where it was hours of the more violent, you know, property damage, fires, clashes, things like that. Some like in Portland, I remember, where there would be seven hours straight of face-offs with police, tear gas in the streets. You know, that was not just like 10 minutes of action that got blown up to make it seem like it was the whole night there. It actually really was the whole night. 
we've obviously had a number of things happen over the last years that last year that are that are clearly worthy of protests and rallies. When you're talking about some of these that have gone on for 10 days or 15, 20 days straight, like who are these people that are out there doing this day after day after day? What kind of sense do you get from the people who are there, like the regulars, so to speak? There are groups that basically are just organized to create anti-police actions, whether that be in the form of marches or some of these other actions like the property damage and things like that. Uh, and basically, these groups are organizing. They really got a lot of traction last summer just with everything after George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement and all that. But basically, they're groups that have been organizing, continue to organize just throughout, not just in response to one specific incident, but they continue organizing for weeks, months on end. And so then when incidents like this happen, they sort of already have that infrastructure in place. And that's why you'll see so quickly protesters are out sometimes that very night they're able to then just bring people out night after night after night to so many of them. Do they, do they seem to have a real plan or is it more a, a plan in terms of accomplishing what they say that they want, or is it more about just showing up and causing trouble, so to speak? Well, I think in a way, all that is part of their plan. It's sort of a continue to demonstrate to show that this issue is still top priority in our minds and that we really want people to take action on it. So the idea is by constantly being out there as opposed to just one night or just two nights is that it forces the cities and the states that this is happening in to pay attention to it. Is there a strategic plan in place to then, you know, make changes that they're calling for? That's a little bit trickier. And I think it also varies widely depending on where we're talking about. I've noticed like some of the Detroit organizing groups seem to have cohesive, like, here's our list of demands, change this, 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 versus some of these other places where it's more just like, continue to demonstrate, continue to push them, continue to push the police, and, you know, try to get change that way by just forcing the issue to the top of everybody's minds, you know, night after night. How did you get started? Like, how, how why, why did you decide to take this independent route? Well, it really all began for me. Five years ago, I started seeing a lot of the coverage of the 2016 presidential campaign on the Democratic Party side and the Republican side. And I was fascinated by it all because I noticed these candidates out there holding rallies, Donald Trump, Bernie Sanders, Hillary Clinton, all of them. But I was seeing the news reports on them and it wasn't really telling me a whole lot of like, what did this look like on the inside? It was sort of just like a general report. This person campaigned in this city or this person said this on the trail but not really showing a whole lot of the event, not really showing like what were the crowds like, what were the people like, what were people saying? So I started just going to these events, just basically wanting to see um, and just kind of see what was going on. And over time, I did a lot of that. And I noticed, wow, like what I'm seeing in person compared to what I'm seeing on the news, it's either just not getting covered or it's being sort of misled or it's being... Um, you know, either picking and choosing small details, but not telling the broader story. And so I made it a commitment to myself to be able to better understand these things, to keep going out there, to keep going to these rallies, keep going to these protests, things like that, and just try to get the full story, try to get the better perspective on what was going on. And then over time, as that evolved, uh, you know, I just kind of kept with it. And that got some positive reception. People really enjoyed that, especially because you know, I could just write an article about it or something like that, but people really appreciated the video specifically because it showed them what was going on. You really couldn't deny the size of a protest or deny the size of a crowd or deny the speech that somebody gave if I put the video right there. You know, you really aren't going to twist the words of somebody or twist the, you know, exaggerate or diminish the size of a crowd when I just post a video showing it along with the caption describing it. Now, can you make a viable kind of long-term income off of this? Is it from basically just supporters or can you make it off of licensing the video? Well, it's a combination of both. That, that Those are the two main forms of income basically regarding all of this. As to whether it's sustainable long-term, that still kind of remains to be seen. This is all relatively new still. In general, just in the media landscape, this is kind of a newer thing to have this amount of user-generated content. 
user-generated content has always existed, but never to the extent that it does today. So I see positive trends and I'd like to think that it's viable. I don't have enough of a timeline here to say that with confidence that like year after year, it can be that way. You know, was 2020 just an anomaly because of the election and the pandemic and everything going on? Or is it something where those techniques, if applied in 2021, 2022, will continue to work? I really hope so. When, from a technical standpoint, like, is it just you and a camera, basically, and a good internet connection to get everything out quickly? Yeah, a lot of it is like that. And I think that's something that catches a lot of the um, bigger media off guard, like, um, a lot of what people don't see is that there's a lot of like, you know, driving from place to place to try to get places in time and really just, you know, up by the bootstrap sort of operation with a lot of it. Do you think that it will, this will continue, though? Or do you think this was a 2020, early 2021 thing? Initially, I had, you know, doubts about whether it would continue and whether this was stuff that would be going on long term. Now, not so much. I, I do believe you're going to see a lot more of this continue just based on what I'm seeing in terms of the protest movements, what people are saying. They're not ready to pack it up and go home. A lot of them are not saying, oh, this is this is over. This is it. Uh, and that goes for um, really both sides of the aisle. A lot of the you know anti-police protest movement definitely plans to continue. But even like a lot of the pro-Trump movement and a lot of that side of things, I, I think a lot of them seem to be really upset still, want to organize, haven't quite gotten anything in the last week or so, but it definitely has potential for later on in 2021, I believe. This is going to be a super broad question, but when you look at it, because a lot has been made of the clashes between the protesters and the police, who do you feel like is generally causing the problem? Like when, when when stuff goes bad, the fires, the break-ins, the people getting hurt, the police actions, that kind of stuff, how does that usually seem to start? Is there a pattern that has emerged? Really, it's gone both ways on this. That I've seen many instances where protesters agitated and caused the police to respond via throwing fireworks or throwing other projectiles, things like that. On the flip side, I have also seen instances where a demonstration that was entirely peaceful, maybe just like occupying an intersection, no fire set, no property damage, nothing taken or anything like that. And police, because they wanted to disperse the group from being at that specific location, came in, started tear gassing, started firing off rubber bullets, things like that. So I've seen it escalated on both sides. I, I've truly, truly seen genuine peaceful protests get interrupted by police who started firing off chemical weapons. And I've seen instances where protesters march themselves to lines of police to then throw objects at them, throw things at them in hopes of provoking a reaction. Are you ready for some listener submitted questions? Sure. Protest that stands out, protest or rally that stands out in your mind the most? Well, probably Kenosha would be the most uh, noteworthy of that, just given the significance of where it was happening that this wasn't a city that had you know a huge chain of mass protests for months and months and months on end i mean there had been protests there prior but uh, it wasn't like portland for example or seattle and the extent to the damage done there during the first couple nights riots there um, obviously the shootings that went down in the streets uh, there's just so much that went on there that really, really can't forget that one. That was George Floyd, right? No, or was that George Floyd was Minneapolis. This was so this was Kenosha in response to the Jacob Blake incident because uh, Jacob Blake had been shot in the back uh, seven times by a police officer. And then in the midst of the protests that happened in those couple of days that followed, you also then had the Kyle Rittenhouse shooting. Uh, that took place in the street. So all, all of that was Kenosha and all that happened in the span of just a few days. So it was just very, very volatile there at that time. Event that you were at where you thought I should probably get out of here. Louisville got a bit tricky like that. Uh, Louisville, Kentucky, just the way the energy of the city there, things had been really, really locked down. Um, they were a lot of like national guard sent in heavy, heavy police presence. 
And there was just something eerie about the town around that time. And this was uh, in late September in the reaction to the Breonna Taylor announcement. And the protest groups, they seemed very like edgy, very agitated at that time, very much like weary of anybody that they weren't super familiar with or didn't know at a personal level. Um, it, it definitely felt very dangerous around there. And that was one that more than most protests, I kind of felt that sort of like on edge, you know, might want to get out of here. You know, this is a bit riskier than the average protest. Have you had anything happen to you? Has anybody come after you or anything like that? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've had protesters come after me. I've had police come after me. Um, Louisville, I did have an incident with some protesters surrounding me and kind of pushing me out of an area. Wauwatosa, Wisconsin had an incident where I was just sitting in the back of a car and had been out there covering things. I was getting prepared actually for an interview that was to take place in an hour and police just ran up on the car and ripped me out of the back of it, slammed me to the ground, gave me a concussion, said you're out past curfew. And so we're going to arrest you. Um, and so that, and that was really unfortunate. They eventually dropped the charges on the grounds that I'm press and that they have no grounds to make that arrest. But unfortunately did get injured from that, had to take some time off of work. Uh, so it, it's, it's been rough. It's been rough. Are you going to, I guess, pursue legal recourse or anything like that? Or are you just going to move on? I'm looking into things. I really can't speak any more deeply yeah. than that. Okay. Yeah. An event that you were at that you felt should have received more coverage that this was a much bigger deal than people made it out to be. Yeah, I would say probably Seattle on Inauguration Day. That one seemed to be a pretty uh, large demonstration that didn't get a whole lot of coverage. Just and, and that one's tricky because it was on an yeah. That one's tricky because it's on Inauguration Day. So obviously you have a lot of competing coverage coming out of Washington, D.C. that day. Uh, but nevertheless, it's something that I think uh, should have at least been mentioned. Portland and Seattle, what had happened on Inauguration Day. And then another one, I would say the Wauwatosa protests. The reaction there, um, to the, it was an incident with a man named Alvin Cole who had been shot and killed by police. And there were you know protests in response. Actually, they had rioted one of the nights. And really, you know, some outlets covered it, but I didn't see wide scale coverage of the incident, like the police shooting incident itself and the protest response to it and the you know brief riots that ensued. It wasn't quite as long term as Portland or anything like that, but uh, definitely was newsworthy. And I was shocked that I didn't see more people talking about that. I'm going to ask you this question. Maybe you can answer it or maybe you can't. Any events that you've been to where you felt like these people are wrong? Like this protest, rally, whatever you want to call it, shouldn't be happening. I wouldn't really say that because um, I think with all of them, there's always been at least some points that have been made that were good. Maybe the actions haven't been um, properly in line with what happened. But yeah, I, that, that's a tough one. I really wouldn't have much to say on that. What event that you covered do you feel like was not portrayed accurately in the mainstream media? Like, ooh, I saw this coverage, and that is not really what it was like at all. I would say just in the lead-up to the inauguration, a lot of these huge preparations were in place for these potential protests at the state capitals, because they had said there's protests planned at all 50 state capitals. But what was weird about that to me is that I wasn't really seeing a lot of organizing going on to actually go to these capitals from different groups that would otherwise be generating these events. And the media in many cases was saying like, oh, they're bracing for potential violence, potential violence. And they kept putting that word like violence out there when really I wasn't actually seeing tangible evidence of people calling for that. And so you saw this huge security apparatus, you know, obviously in DC, but also in Michigan and uh, in Virginia, Ohio, all these different cities that had like National Guard deployed and in the media was very much just like on it, constantly running these stories, constantly talking about it, but not really saying who was planning on protesting, who was actually even making these calls for this. And it didn't end up happening, as people now know. And I just felt that that was really just odd the way that that was covered. It wasn't necessarily inaccurate because it's not like they said that there would be violence and then they were wrong they said potential so in that sense it was 
right, but I don't think that it portrayed things accurately in terms of what was realistically, you know, about to happen for that week. That was one where it definitely seemed that the headlines and the way that it was told wasn't really as accurate to what was on the ground, which was that in reality, what ended up happening a lot of those days at the protests was that you would have like 100 media, 20 protesters, and that was the event. For the Were you in Washington, D.C. when that happened? Yes. That I mean, I feel like that one is obviously one that stands out in a lot of people's minds. What What was that particular one like? What do you remember about it? Just chaotic, fast-paced, um, wide variety of people there. I, I would say it was just really hard to get a handle on the whole group because you had literally tens of thousands of people there. So there were people with different levels of ambitions, how far they were willing to go. Some people that were just wanting to stand on Pennsylvania Avenue and wave flags and have a nice like family-friendly day. Others that brought zip-tie handcuffs and were ready to storm the Capitol. Did anything separate that, right? Because you know the news is obviously kind of the creature of the moment in which the last thing that happened is the worst thing ever. But was anything different about that? Like, did you show up and it just felt different when it was happening or anything like that? Or was it like a lot of other protests? I would say initially over at the ellipse, if that initial area where the president was speaking, that felt relatively normal. That felt similar to even the previous D.C. March for Trump events that happened in November and December. Once I got over the Capitol building, though, because I had gone from there over to the Capitol, that definitely felt different right from the get go. The energy in the air. So there was just a lot more anger. People were pushing up against police, just things that I hadn't really seen and certainly not that fast before um, because it was like I said right from the get-go right when I arrived at the Capitol already people were escalating things that definitely felt different for for somebody kind of watching from the outside there's always this talk between in the mainstream media is this a protest is this riot is this looting and it seems to go back and forth depending on which network that you're watching when you look at a lot of these incidents what do you think about that kind of debate about protest versus rally versus looting versus however somebody decides that they want to call this? It's become a very politicized terminology, I've found, that it seems that depending on which network, like you said, that some will very generously use the term riot, others only in exceedingly rare circumstances. Um, so, yeah, it, it's tricky. I think that each whether you're a left-leaning outlet or a right-leaning outlet, they find that that language can play well to their audiences in certain circumstances. So if it's something where you know that it's a lot of right-wing people that are doing some kind of damage, calling it a riot, if you're a left-leaning publication, maybe it would be you know, beneficial. Maybe that actually generates more hits, things like that. Likewise, if you're a right-leaning outlet and you find that there's a lot of left-wing people out you know, doing damage or looting stores or something like that, then it, it's probably conducive to your business to, you know, declare that. There's obviously times when you do have to declare that no matter what, what happened in Kenosha, that's riots. I mean, if there was any outlet not calling that riots to go up and down several blocks, burning down small businesses, you know, that that just is what it is. Other times it's not quite as obvious. Other times it's more, you know, a, sort of a finer line where depending on, whether you really, you know, are gun ho that any sort of damage whatsoever, even on the smallest, smallest level is a riot. Others would say only when there's like physical hand to hand violence or people are getting injured or things like that. Some will always be angry if you call it a riot, but they think it's a protest or if you call it a protest, but they think it's a riot. You know, there's going to be people upset on all of that. Craziest thing you've seen. The Capitol building being stormed definitely would be the craziest. I used to say Kenosha with the, you know the Kenosha shooting and everything that happened there, but the Capitol was just it, it was everything that was crazy about your average protest or your riots, all of that combined, and add in massive historical significance, and add in the fact that this is happening during the Electoral College vote. It was just like a powder keg. And to see that go off the way that it did, there really has been no parallel in the modern era like that at all. So it, there's just that would definitely would be the biggest standout, I would say. And on a potentially lighthearted note, best chant, worst chant, 
chant you're sick of hearing? <laughs> That's an interesting one. Um, I would say for best chant, one of the ones I saw was we fed up. We ain't taking no mo. We fed up. We ain't taking no mo. Because to me, that one just seems so applicable to so many situations is, you know, really any group could be saying that so many groups were fed up with so many things on so many sides. In terms of worst, I think anytime you get a chant that's too short, where it's just like one syllable, two syllables, or just like one word, it tends to just like not roll off the tongue well. So there would be times when like an Antifa group would just chant Antifa, or a Trump, a pro-Trump group would literally just chant Trump, Trump. Trump. To me, like any chance like that, they're just too short. I don't know. It just doesn't really give much of a message. It actually is just like it's just stating a noun, basically, Antifa or Trump. Anything else you think that we missed or what's coming up next for you? People want to support you. What can they do? Yeah, I mean, in terms of next, I don't always know. Actually, I don't really ever know (laughs) more than like 24 to 48 hours in advance. So it's hard to say. In terms of support, I mean, I'm online everywhere at BG on the scene. Twitter is my primary means of getting things out, but I'm also on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. And then if people would like to support, I do take donations. That's actually what keeps this going is, you know, people privately that are willing to help out. I have PayPal, Venmo, Cash App. They're all also BG on the scene, same username. And yeah, anything that helps, definitely a huge, huge benefit. And I am really appreciative of because it helps to keep this work going and keep the reporting going in different places. I want to thank Brendan so much for joining us. If you want to connect with him, we have a link to him on our social media accounts. We're profoundly pointless on Twitter and Instagram. And we have also included his information in this episode description. Okay. Now let's go ahead and bring in John Shaw. Could you ever see yourself being at the center of a news story? And if so, what kind of story do you think it will be? I mean, I'm going to have to go like with something that is probably drawn out over days. I'm not making light of any of these situations, but like a uh, like a Waco, Texas type deal or like an O.J. Simpson type deal that something that's captured everyone's attention, like around the country, maybe even around the world. Oh, so you want to like go out with a big bang kind of thing like hostage situation style. Yeah, like if I, you know, (laughs) if I'm going to go out, I mean, I'm. I'd like to think I'm going to go out, you know, and I, I'm going to be the the kind of uh, criminal that would demand all kinds of ridiculous shit too. like, you know, I want a thousand pounds of chocolate here by tonight. Do they ever give in to any criminals demands? I mean, they do in movies, but I don't actually know what they do in like real life. Like, what if you were robbing a bank and your only demand was just. Look, I, I need somebody to pick up my mail. And just bring it to me because I think I got a letter and I want to read it. Or some kind of like ridiculous demand. Like nobody's going to do that. Like, sorry, we don't negotiate with terrorists. I just locked myself in my house with this AK-47 because I really just wanted someone to bring me a ballpark Frank. I don't, I don't want to go out in like the big newsworthy event because then your whole life, you're always going to be like the guy who got shot or the guy who was the hostage in Waco. I want to go out. Like hit by a city bus. But I mean, so, uh, you know, in the five o'clock news, you just want to be and and in the news today, uh, you know, a 36 year old man hit and killed by a city bus, his identity not being revealed at this time. And then you're that's it. That's all you want. Right. But you're not you're not thinking of it all the way through. Right. So if you're hit by a city bus, you get one day of coverage and everybody's going to say it's going to tragic. Then they're going to investigate the city. You're probably family is going to get some money out of it because you've been hit by a city bus again. They're going to cover it again. Then there's going to be some other kind of like tragedy involved in it. Like the bus driver has been working too many hours or they failed their vision test. Like there's multiple controversies. But at the end of it, you're still not only remembered as the person who got hit by the city bus. Like you're still a real person. Like you would just be the guy who got like thrown off the building in the hostage situation. I mean, you're definitely more of a, probably a longevity case, but you're like the, you know, like, like I'm the all-star that's going out on top if you want to say that. You're like the, just the, you know, the workman, like, oh, it's a year later and Nick's family is still taking the city to court, (laughs) you know, like you're the update. I get it. You're the firework. I'm the slow burn. 
There you go. Yeah. You well, what are those things? You're like the sparkler, I'd say. And sparklers, I don't I think people should sleep on that. That's that's a great firework, in my opinion. They are the worst. They're not. They're no fun. They don't. They barely do anything. What do you mean? They're a great time. You can like draw pictures in the in the air with them. <laughs> you can chase people with them. They're the easily. I think more people actually get hurt with sparklers. Really, if you think about it, sparklers are the da- most dangerous firework. <laughs> okay. Uh, other question. Who do you hate more, people who say case of the Mondays or people who say Friday Eve? Wow, that's a good one. Um, probably a case of the Mondays because, I mean, that's it's Monday, so you're just starting the week. I can kind of let people get off with saying Friday Eve because you're looking forward towards the weekend. But when someone comes in, they're like, I have a case of the Mondays. It's like, Gerald, we've only been at work for an hour. No, and somebody like a case of the Mondays person is always going to be a case of the Mondays person. Like, <laughs> case of the Mondays every freaking Monday. But every Thursday, you're not going to get Friday Eve person necessarily. If you were to walk into your office or any office for that matter, what is the probability you think you could pick out the employee that's going to come up to you at some point within the hour and say that to you? Like, oh, hey, Nick, I got a case of the Mondays. Yeah, you can always see it. They always got too much crap on their desk, don't they? <laughs> yeah, usually. Like you see a bunch of crap on somebody's desk. It's just, and and not like they got a lot of work. Like, this doesn't need to be here kind of stuff. <laughs> That's the person who's going to do it. I do like the people that have, you know, reports and things from 2011 that are just taking up space on the desk. It, it boggles my mind. Do you keep any personal effects on your desk at all? No, I, I don't. Um, oh, because you don't love your family very much. <laughs> you know, maybe if I had a, a super nice office, maybe. But, I mean, you know, I, I just I don't. And now I love my family, just FYI. I need to make sure I get that out there. I, I love, like I how you throw that in there, because your two-year-old is definitely listening to this right now and fully comprehends what's oh, happening. She is. She is a maniac, I'll tell you that. But Okay, well, we'll skip that, because... <laughs> Like I said before, we don't care about your kids. No. Um, all right, you got you got your stuff. <laughs> you know, some people would say you're an asshole. I just will go on with it. Do, do you honestly like? Okay, who whose kids do you care about? Like, you really want to hear stories about their kids? Anybody you know, even as a parent, do you want to hear stories about anybody's kids? Sure. I mean, why not? I mean, it's part of your life. I'm interested. I could care less about people's kids. Like I'm a I'm a proud dad and I could care less about anyone's kids. You have a bumper sticker that says that? I should get one. Yeah, dude, let's give some shout outs, man. Um uh so we'll start off here with uh, Molly. Appreciate you. She has a pretty awesome handle by the way on Instagram at the mall dog. It's pretty awesome. Uh Taylor, Alejandro, Laura Grogan, uh Yasmin. Appreciate you. Uh, Oscar Zabala, Kevin, uh, Michelle Kineholz, uh, Stephanie, and Tamara. Appreciate all of you for checking us out this week. Uh, what What was Michelle's name? Uh, Michelle Kineholz. Michelle Kineholz. Yeah. That's kind of an unfortunate last name. <laughs> Why? Michelle, we we appreciate you. Don't listen to Nick, uh, even though I'm, I'm pro- just saying. Like I'm sure she, when she, if she still listens to this, she's probably like, it's a lot of jokes, a lot I, of jokes directed in my way in high school. Look, I mean, my name's Nick. I can't tell you how many times I've heard Nickelodeon or like Nick Small Dick or like Nick. Like, look, I don't see why my wife has to talk to me like that. <laughs> I mean, you are five foot four. You've always had a Napoleon issue. I have to I have to make a confession. Honestly, I went and got a checkup. I thought that I was five eight and three quarters. I appear to have actually shrunk. I'm down to like five eight and whatever halfway between five eight and a half and five eight and three quarters would be. It was a blow. It was a blow to my self esteem. Uh still using that fantastic USAA life insurance? No, it's just my doctor, Dr. Salib. Shout out to Salib, man. He's a good doctor. Check him out. I don't know what his first name is, but whatever. <laughs> well then, all right. Um, Google it. Moving on here. Uh, so what's the worst holiday? Valentine's Day or Sweetest Day? I don't even know what Sweetest Day is. What is it? 
Uh, from what I understand, and I'm probably wrong on this, it's uh, it's you're just it's kind of like Valentine's Day. It's uh, it's a, a day to share romantic deeds or expressions with your loved one. When is it? Is it near Valentine's Day? Uh, it's or is it a- nope, it's October 16th this year. It's, it's a right. It's not a. Who gives a shit? That's really all and I everything's want. Everything's a day. Play. There's like national, national. Every single day has a national. This day, Valentine's Day is not that bad, right? It's not that big of a deal. It's one of those things that like people just like to complain about it. You do you really have that big of a problem with Valentine's Day because little Susie didn't pick up your card? I don't know if you're directing that at me, but uh, I used to get a lot of Valentines actually. Oh, your mom bought them all for you. She bought many. Did you get more Valentine's Day than other kids, or did you have one of those things where if you brought a Valentine, you had to give it to every kid in the class? Yeah, 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 yeah. You had to, usually, you always had the one or two kids that only gave Valentines to the people they wanted to. They were shunned pretty quickly. See, I think they should be respected. <laughs> because if you're giving to everybody, you're not saying anything. If you're taking a bold stand and saying, look, I don't like John, <laughs> then I respect you. <laughs> you don't deserve my Power Rangers Valentine. If you if everybody passes everything else, then look, nobody's a winner, nobody's a loser. Like, what was the point of doing this at all? Could have just not done it. Because no one's your Valentine. It's just ridiculous. I think we should bring back being more choosy about Valentines. <laughs> you don't get any candy hearts, Taryn. No. I don't I don't care about your kids. <laughs> All right, uh, I'm going to get you to admit you like baseball sooner or later, so I want to know this. Uh, if you had the opportunity to hit a half-court shot or hit the game-winning home run in Game 7 of the World Series, which are you choosing to do? I would hit the half-court shot because people might actually be watching that. <laughs> You're insane. Oh, man. I, I couldn't tell you who won the World Series. I couldn't tell you any of the teams involved. And I'm not just talking about this year because it's COVID. I'm talking about the last 20 years of my life. Don't have a clue. Don't have a clue. Couldn't I can probably name six teams because I'm not 55 and spend my life reading about submarines every day. Oh, my God. I am not 55, by the way, but I'm getting there. Uh, all right. Well, let's just we'll just move on. Um, I think you'll like this one a little more. Uh, if you were to have an action figure uh modeled after you with which god knows what that would look like what would your action be of of that figure like what would it what would you have i would go karate chop out of every out of everything that's the that's what you're going well, with? You, there's not a lot of stuff that they can do they usually basically they can chop something they can kick something or they can shoot something like they have like a detachable fist or something yeah so i, mean, I would go with the chop what else what have you seen uh, I would probably have like the like the gorilla slam where both my arms go up and come down. Ooh, I forgot about that one. That would be. I, I think you need to go back and do some uh, some research on. I mean, th- these figures nowadays are pretty. They're pretty impressive. But they still have. There's only so many actions that you can possibly have them do. It's some sort of punch or kick. But now they a make projectile. But now they what make, else can they do? Now they make them where like uh, individual limbs are like their own separate parts, so they can, you know, they can do different motions. So like, I mean, you are right. There's still like the the main set, but like some of them can like jump. They can, you know, Ooh. like their their head can detach. Like, uh, it's it's all kinds of crazy crazy. What thing. are you doing that you know this? Are you just hanging out in the toy aisle all the time? <laughs> Uh, I have many friends who are involved in that, and I, I don't mind. I, I collect action figures. Uh, what kind of action figures? Uh, wrestling figures. Okay, what's the most you've ever spent on one? Probably less than 100 bucks. I mean, I don't have a specific number, but probably less than 100 I want to know like how valuable of an action figure you're picking up. So how much is your average action wrestling figure? I mean, it all depends. I mean, average, probably between 15 and 20 bucks. Okay, so you paid. That's you bought a pretty expensive. How, what's the most valuable wrestling action figure? I have one from the from the uh, early '90s. That's probably can go for two hundred bucks, maybe. What's your address? How many you got? And what's your address so people can come rob you? Don't worry about my address, but uh, you know, I, I like to collect them. It's a certain line of of figure, and I'm 
I'm, I'm getting there slowly but surely. How many, wait, how many out of how many do you have? Uh, so total, there's probably about 115, and I have about 50 so far. Oh, step it up. When did you start collecting? Almost 10 years ago, just about. Okay, so you pick up two action figures a year. That's not ridiculous. What are you going to do when you get them all? You're going to combine them into one giant Voltron-looking thing? You're going to sell them off? No, I, I, these are not for sale, so I will display them proudly. No, the stupidest, the stupidest one would be when they just swing their arms in a circle like that. Like, that's the lamest action-related action figure. The chop is kind of cool. The projectile is probably the coolest, but I don't think that I'm up to that level. I, I agree with you. That is you all day. All right. What's your, are, you, are you done? I am done. So our top five is top five utensils. I took a pretty broad definition of what I consider to be utensils. What's your number five? All right. So my number five, pretty simple, measuring cups. Oh, God. That's a good one. Oh, I think, you yeah, know I mean, what, honestly, I didn't even think of measuring cups, but now that I do, I f- that's kind of low. You should have that much higher. One and two and three, actually, should be pretty simple for both of us, depending, you know, which order, but it should be pretty simple for one, two, and three. Four and five are the, the outliers here, I think. I I think one and two are very simple and pretty obvious. I don't think that three through five is 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 at all because i'm sure you what you're talking about is number three is a knife which i don't think that that a knife is should be on the top should be in the top 10 honestly when you talk about utensils i think a knife is essentially you don't need that at all your basic butter knife you don't need that at all a waste of everyone's time it shouldn't even be included it shouldn't even be on the place setting honestly you don't need it (laughs) i it is a knife yes well we'll get to that what's your number five Steak knife. <laughs> okay, so you're going, uh, when you said broad, you, you really aren't that broad. So it's a steak knife. Okay. Steak knife is pretty fancy. I think that's I think that's when you get into the upper echelon of fancy uh, utensils, is steak knife. I'm going to have to disagree with you. I, I think that wouldn't be anywhere near my top 25, I don't think, for uh, utensils. Really? Nope. Okay. All um, right, well, we'll discuss this further when we get to your obvious number three, which is knife. Uh, um, what's your number four? Uh, a spatula. Oh, that's my number four, too. Oh, man, okay. Yeah, see? Yeah. Spatula's up there, man. You can't sleep on a spatula. See, I based mine on what cannot be accomplished without that, right? And a spatula, there's not a good substitute for it. You really kind of need a spatula. And they serve so many different purposes, which is why, really, I wanted to put this in the top three, but I I can't, but I wanted to. Okay. Can you also scoot closer to the mic and stop doing whatever you just did? <laughs> yes. Is that better? I don't know how many times like we got to go over this. Because I think I just found where the mic is on my headphones. So It actually sounds much better. What have you been doing for the last 136 episodes? I think I just found, like I said, the, uh, the microphone for my headphones. Wow. I was wondering where this thing was. What do you mean you just found it? How did you just find it? Well, the hole, first off, is like not even, it's like a pinprick. I, you wouldn't even know it unless, you know, you were looking over it with a microscope. Oh, like your dick. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, sure. That's I, kind of, yeah. I don't even have anything, but yes. You got nothing. I just cannot believe it. Well, <sighs> let's let's enjoy the, the next 10 minutes of the episode here with fine audio quality. Okay, what number are we on? Uh, your number, no, uh, well, my number three, I guess, because your number four is the spatula. Uh, yeah, so my number three is just you know like a chef's knife, uh, some kind of knife, um, primarily used to chop things. You're going with a knife in general. All right, I can understand that a little bit, right? Because if you're talking about like um, a butcher knife, not a butcher knife. What's the main knife that you use to like chop stuff? I mean, uh, usually, uh, I think it's called a chef's knife. 
there I understand the idea of that could be a number three. But if you're talking about like a butter knife, the thing that you put on a place setting, that's completely worthless. I agree with you. It shouldn't even have a spot on the placemat or place setting. You know what? That might. Hmm. I'm going to go ahead. I might change my number one, honestly. I could make an I could make a strong argument that the chef's knife is actually the most important utensil because it can do some stuff that cannot be accomplished with anything else. Because obviously our number two and or our number one and two is going to be fork and spoon in some different combination. But really, if you think about it, it should be the chef's knife because you can take a, a fork can do much of what a spoon does and vice versa, but neither one of them can accomplish like you ain't cutting a potato with a spoon or a fork. I'm actually going to, you know what? I'm going to take your thing. I'm going to move everything back. I'm going to say that chef's knife is actually my number one. That's the most important thing in the kitchen. Uh, I mean, I, I don't disagree with what you said, but I'm I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to stick with my original top five and it's going to stay at number three for me. Okay. My number three originally, before I kind of changed things around, was scissors. Yeah. I mean, if, if we were outside of the kitchen, um, sure. That that they would probably be somewhere on my top five, I would think. Okay, but under my new top three, which again, under my new top five rather, which now has chef's knife as number one, my new top, my new number three is a spoon. My so yeah, so spoon is three for me, obviously. Or I'm sorry, spoon is two for me. Ooh, obviously, fork is number one. I agree. We put this out on Twitter. A lot of people were saying spoon is number one. I don't think it is. I think the fork is more important than the spoon. When when I think about what I use the, each utensil for more of, I mean, it's definitely a fork. I mean, spoons are okay, but if you need to, you know, stab something, jam something, I mean, you've seen me eat. I mean, I'm a jabber, you know, I'm a sticker. So and and for other people who haven't ever seen John eat, it's very strange the way that he holds his utensils. Once you notice it, you're just what? It's like he just holds them in a fist. <laughs> right? Like think of the way that you hold like a stick. Like you're clearing brush and you pick up a big stick. Like that's how he holds a utensil. It's completely wrong. Uh, you know, I, I don't, I never said it was right first off, but it's, it's just the way that I eat. I don't know what it, you know, I don't know. What okay. All right. All right. Well, you know, <laughs> raise your children better. That's all. I'm, that's all I'm no one cares about my kids. You said that already. I only care about your kids. If they cause problems for me. <laughs> all right. What's so, in your, what's in your honorable mention? Um, and I, I wrote down a lot, so I'm sorry for this. Uh, I have chopping boards. Um, it's not a utensil. It's more of like, uh, it's not a utensil. I mean, it was, it was under a, ut a utensil. Also, it's not a chopping board. It's a cutting board. Cutting board. Yeah. Not chopping board. I don't know why I wrote down chopping board. Um, uh, where was I? So I have a whisk. Uh, Ooh, good one. Good one. <laughs> thanks. Uh, corkscrew. Um, because I, I wanted to get your thoughts are pans, utensils, pots and pans. I don't think that's a utensil, right? Because I, I'm sure that in some way the definition of the word utensil has to be utilized. Like that's more of a cook. That's cookware. Yeah, it's cookware. I, yeah, I, that's why they weren't on my list. Um, and then I have uh, measuring spoons. Didn't you already had measuring cups? Yeah. What's the difference? Uh, measuring spoons are what what you think they're like measuring spoons. Cups are just easier to use. You can get more in them. Spoons are usually like tablespoon, teaspoon. Oh, you know. all that weird stuff that nobody knows if it's big. Which <laughs> one's bigger? Real quick, tablespoon or teaspoon? Tablespoon. Okay. Uh, and then this one's just a, a favorite of mine, but uh, the old oven mitt. I wouldn't consider that to be a utensil, honestly. I put that in the category of cutting board. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it could go one way to me it could go either way but uh but yeah so what about you what's on your honorable mention only only one that i had that wasn't on yours was tongs Ooh, that's a good one yeah tongs are good bread tongs or regular tongs or what kind of tongs are we talking about tongs i don't just waste all my money buying 15 different kinds do you honestly have more kinds of tongs in your life in your house than one <laughs> we do yes were you ever like no honey 
get the bread tongs. <laughs> Those are the meat tongs. We we do. Yes, we have bread tongs. We have uh, you know, we have regular tongs. We have tongs with metal tips for meat. We have tongs with, you know, rubber tips. What the hell? How many, wait, so how many total pairs of tongs do you have in your house right now? Uh, at least four. Unbelievable. <laughs> I guess so. Did you buy them all at the same time or did they just accumulate? No, they've accumulated over many years. I don't understand that. I don't understand how at all that you and your wife could be at a store and looking at a pair of tongs and said, you know what? We do need these other tongs because the tongs that we got, they're just not as good for picking up bread as these bread tongs. How does that conversation even happen? Was it mutually agreed upon? Did she just get it? Did you just get it? Like what happened? I, I do not understand this. Mo, uh, I can tell you for, uh, for the bread tongs, it was her idea. Um, okay. The other and you signed off on the it. The other three. Uh, well, you're married. I, I don't sign off on a whole lot if if she wants them. Um, and then the other three pairs were probably mutual. I, I probably it was probably my idea for the three different ones. I would think. I'm not ashamed of it. I <clears throat> I cook a lot. I, I don't know what don't, to tell you. But you. I I just don't. I like. I don't understand. That. I like having proper. Uh, you know, utensils for, for what I need. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to have to scrape up a metal pan by having metal tongs, you know, by well, flipping shit over. Don't hit the pan. Why don't you just have more precision in your tong usage and not hit the pan? I mean, there is that. I, uh, I am not that, not that guy though. Man, how much did you spend on each of the tongs? How, how expensive is a pair of tongs? Probably eight to 15 bucks, maybe. Man, so you're sitting on $65 worth of tongs in your house right now. You still have student loans? <laughs> I do not actually, no. <laughs> <coughs> Can't pay it off this week, baby. We got to get some new tongs. <laughs> yes. What's your next one then? What kind of, what kind of, what are you going to get? Do you have any other tongs that you could collect or are you all done with tongs? <laughs> I don't know. I'll have to get back to you on that one. Okay, that's going to go ahead and do it for this episode of Profoundly Pointless. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. A huge, huge oversight is the fact that we didn't include the spork in this top five anyway. But I also feel like that's cheating. Let us know what you think. Love to hear what you think are the best utensils. It probably would be a spork, wouldn't it? Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.